Welcome to the Walder Sportscast with your host, Chris Walder. Welcome everyone to episode 30, the Norris Cole of the Walder Sportscast. After another mini hiatus, sorry guys, I'm your host Chris Walder and you can go follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Walder Sports. And after you're done checking out today's show, go ahead and leave a rating and review if you like what you heard because it does help out the podcast a great deal. So it's been a couple of weeks since my last episode of Since Found a New Apartment with my fiance Megan. And for anyone who follows me on Twitter, you've probably seen me complain about my previous living arrangements. We lived next door to some crappy neighbors who made a ton of noise and smoked a lot, which flowed into our apartment. And with both of us having asthma, it really didn't make for a pleasant experience. But we're gone now, we moved five or so minutes away from where we were, and it's early, but we really couldn't be happier. Our place was previously an Airbnb, which was converted into an apartment because of the pandemic, so it's really nice and was maintained quite well. So again, apologies for the delay on a new episode, there's just been so much to do and clean and pack and soar through and what have you, but we're back and I'm excited for today's show because joining me on today's episode is Andrew Zuber, or Zubes, as many people on social media know him as. He's currently a co-host of the Sportsfeld podcast, as well as Wrestling Brain on Twitch. And he's also been with The Score in the past, as well as Yahoo Sports Canada. Uh, Jack of all trades, if you will, when it comes to sports. I'm definitely going to be talking a lot of wrestling with him today. But don't you fret if that's not your cup of tea, because I'll do my best to sprinkle in a little bit of baseball talk in there as well. But before I bring Andrew on, may I recommend that you check out my last episode when I talked to Joe Wolfon, or Canada's Zach Lowe, if you will. I know he doesn't like that title, but it's mine to bestow upon him. We discussed Shaquille O'Neal's awkward post-game interview from a while back with Donovan Mitchell, as well as a recent piece by Wolfon highlighting three NBA players making positive strides this season. And we even discussed Wolfon's history as a play-by-play man calling basketball out in Nova Scotia, which a lot of people were unaware of. So go give that podcast a listen when you can. With all of that being said, though, Andrew Zuber will be with me after this quick break. So keep it locked. Joining me now is Andrew Zuber, who you can find on both the Sportsfeld podcast as well as Wrestling Brain on Twitch. Andrew, my man, thank you so much for coming on today. Walter, it's my it's my pleasure, man. This is so cool. I, I'm touched that I was asked, and this is my first official like doing promo with Wrestling Brain attached to my name. So I'm very very happy about that. Gonna, you're going to get so much promotion out of the out of the Brainiacs. You have no idea. <laughs> well, the fact that you're a massive wrestling fan really helped. You know, I'm prominently a basketball podcast, but I want to sprinkle in some wrestling talk every now and then. And for the people out there who aren't wrestling fans, I kind of want to convert them along the way. It's a good the time has never been better. There's never been more 
uh, opportunity, I think, in, in my life at least, to sort of find what you enjoy and, and focus on it. So, so I'm glad to be the conduit into that world for either your listeners or just an excuse for yourself to spend an hour talking about wrestling, <laughs> whatever it takes. <laughs> well, I reached out to you on, on Twitter, Andrew, and it's funny because you said that you and I need to set an example of overcoming the identity crisis that comes with leaving the industry. And you and I, of course, have both worked for major outlets in the past and now are both hosting podcasts and creating content our own way. And we're recording this show on Super Bowl Sunday. So just days after Bell laid off hundreds of employees, including on-air talent for TSN. So when looking at the state of the industry, Andrew, looking from the outside in after having been with numerous companies ourselves, do you think you and I are examples of kind of the direction that sports media is heading in with people carving out their own path instead of taking a traditional career route? Like you, you can look at a guy like Steve Dangle, for example, who of course is now with Sportsnet as kind of like a, a blueprint for that. Yeah, no, I think I think absolutely. I think, you know, the Bell is a great example where I and maybe this is too inside baseball. I have questions if like these big telecoms are going to in the near future here wonder why they have television channels at all and sort of be pivoting there and um, media is a very, very delicate thing. You look at something like I, I worked at uh, Yahoo Canada Sports for a little bit, and its parent company is Verizon Media. And yeah. you really start thinking about it. It's like, why would Verizon Media have a Canadian Yahoo Sports channel? They do because they bought that. But you, you sort of wonder is, is like, is making your own thing. You look at somebody like Will Liu is a great example of like, mm -hmm. he worked at the score, he worked at, at, at Yahoo Sports Canada now. But like the reason he became Will Liu the guy is because he was doing 10 things on his own. He was, it was like a, it was like a, a, a iPhone note to start with. And then that got picked up and it, it grew and grew. Blake Murphy, of course, started with Raptors Republic when he was working at the score. I think, um, you know, th those, those people that are making their own name and making their own sort of, the content and, and doing it their own way. Steve Dangle is, is the highest sort of example. And I think we're seeing another wave as somebody, you know, I'm 35 years old. I got into the industry when I was 21 working at Sportsnet making highlights. And, um, you know, not that I'm this old, this old gray beard, but I really <laughs> am impressed with the, the new generation of people that came up and, and, you know, there's obviously there's those great schools. Ryerson has a sports journalism program and Centennial has a sports journalism program. And, and that is great, but there are kids out there um, you look at Dishes and Dimes as a great example of people who are just like, you know what, there isn't a space for me, so I'm going to make my space. I'm going to do it my way. Um, and I'm, I've been really impressed with that and, and the, the skills that people are showing and the, the passion and the, and the drive because it ultimately comes down as like, you can go to one of those schools or you can not go to one of those schools. Uh, are you going to put the extra work in? Are you going to create your own voice? Are you going to create your own brand? Uh, that's what matters right now. So I'm yeah. very interested to see sort of what this next generation does. And, and that's part of what brought me to doing Twitch. I, I think, you know, you mentioned the identity crisis. I had a tough time that the, the pandemic hit and I was doing freelance work and I really had, I think everybody who works in sports in, in the back of their brain has that like, is what I'm doing like worth anything? Is this real? Is this like right. anything? And I sort of really struggled with that. And then came out of the other side of it and, and switched industries and switched jobs. And then Sportsfeld and, and now Wrestling Brain has been my way to like continue nurturing that side of myself, that part of myself that loves sports, that loves wrestling, that wants to make content about that stuff and wants to talk about those things and have fun, but not have somebody tell me what I can and can't do. And if it doesn't drive me to success and it doesn't lead me to a job down the line, that's totally fine because I'm having a great time and enjoying myself. So I think switching that focus and, and, and really trying to uh, round that out has been a big challenge and, and a big sort of part of my last uh, year and a bit. 
I mean, it just sucks because obviously there's little financial security when you branch out and do content like podcasting or YouTube or Twitch or, or whatever. But do you find it more fulfilling at the end of the day in terms of pure content creation to be able to have the freedom to put together or discuss anything that your heart desires? Yeah, it's it's so much fun. And the buzz, like, we're still relatively new on Twitch. We sort of started out in the summer. We were watching AEW Dark to, like, five viewers. And then we sort of switched. <laughs> we, we, it, was, it was hilarious. No one was watching it. And, like, we were just sort of learning how to use the right. platform. Um, and then we decided to change it into like this three days a week, three different shows. We brought in uh, my friend Nick East, who does a, a, a tier ranking show on Thursdays, and just sort of make it like a more well-rounded channel. And now uh, my friend Josh and I host a show basically coming up right out of AEW Dynamite. We're on 10 o'clock uh, Eastern time on Wednesdays. And like the buzz that I get when that show is over is like... I, literally, I never felt anything like it in all my time doing the industry because I, I I was able to do a lot of things in sports media. The one thing I was never able to do is go on the radio and say the phone lines are open. That's all I ever wanted to do was take calls <laughs> from people after like Jays games or Raptors games because people people are insane when they call into that. But we yeah. we managed to like we take calls live on the air on our show right after Dynamite, and uh, it's just so much fun. Like people people coming in and and talking about stuff and and feeling really passionate and like getting off on wild tangents. That's that's what I love. So. Um, I've been able to like create that for myself and, and it's not huge. It's not a huge audience, but, um, it's a ton of fun for me. I, I have just a blast every week. Well, let me just say that I was extremely happy upon learning that you were such a professional wrestling fan, because it's not often I get to interact with people in the industry who have such a passion for wrestling. Like I do. Like, I mean, I could talk to a guy like Blake Murphy, who kind of goes back and forth between wrestling and, and basketball, of course. But you know, this is one of the main reasons why I wanted to bring you on was to pick your brain about certain aspects of the business and storylines occurring these days and Andrew perhaps one of the biggest was the arrival of Kenta on the February 3rd edition of Dynamite and obviously a lot of the wrestling community got excited and began playing fantasy booker because the forbidden door was seemingly opened or, or at least cracked open a little bit Andrew, first off, what was your initial reaction when Kenta appeared on the show? Because some expected him to potentially make an appearance to continue his storyline with John Moxley for the IWGP United States Championship. Did it have the same impact for you as a Sting returning or Kenny Omega heading to Impact? <laughs> yeah, I, I put it above. I put it above. I put it. I absolutely put it above. I'm, I'm so glad uh, the Forbidden Door parlance is, is sort of used yeah i'm i was thrilled i was one of those people that like something like that immediately allows me to get into my head and like okay now the japan connection is 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 there and like it, i think the thing about kenta is it's not even it's not even kenta himself it's the idea of kenta like immediately my brain's like okay okada can come over now we can get kenny versus yeah. koda there's so many places we can go to this and I, and i think part of the fun of being a wrestling fan is is booking those fantasy matchups in your head and and and, you know, AEW's arrival on the scene in the first place, sort of there was a promise of this level of thing being possible. And we waited and, and it was teased and it was back and forth. And, you know, I think New Japan's success in the last, we'll say, five years, probably, probably even less than that. But for me personally, about five years, um, them being like a viable thing that American fans can get into and, and watch is a big part of the reason AEW exists in the first place. So, yeah. That connection for me is enormous. Um, New Japan is sort of the reason I am even where I am today in terms of being a wrestling fan. And I'm sure if I if I hadn't gotten into 
Wrestle Kingdom years back when it was Okada Tanahashi and everyone was like, you have to see this match. It, it'll change uh, your opinion of, of what wrestling can be. I don't know that I would even be that big of a wrestling fan anymore because I, I sort of have not followed uh, the New York product, if you will. Uh, it, it just right. sort of has lost me, which which it's supposed to do. It's it's not I'm not mad about it. It's like that's the way life works sometimes. But yeah, I don't know that I would even be as big a fan of wrestling, period, if it hadn't been for New Japan sort of boom period with Bullet Club and, and Kenny and, and that sort of begat you know being the elite and that begat all elite wrestling and now here we are where fans have just i i say it again there's just never been a better time to to be a fan of of the art form in general and and you never had more options and more different styles to pick from we've kind of heard mixed reports as well in terms of what that appearance meant for the working relationship between aew and new japan because you know, now this could just be a means towards getting through the storyline, obviously with the travel restrictions, with, you know, John Moxley potentially dropping the title to Kenta since traveling back and forth from America to Japan. Pretty much impossible these days. And there's always a chance that this could go deeper than we think. And we could see someone like a Kenny Omega wrestle at a Dominion or a Wrestle Kingdom in the future. In your opinion, Andrew, which company do you think needs this working relationship more, AEW or New Japan? I think right now, I think right now it probably helps. Uh, it probably helps AEW a little bit more. I, I think because of the sort of the nature of where they are as a company, there are spots sort of I, I would say to the bottom of the middle of the roster that you could really benefit by having even somebody like Kenta, who if you were to if you were to write down like the most exciting and tantalizing talents in New Japan, he would probably be outside of the top five. Like he's not even really he's not an A guy. Like he's a yeah. he, maybe he's maybe he's low A, but but he's not Tanahashi, he's not Okada, he's not Jay White, he's not... There's like a bunch of guys that you would even put ahead of him, but just the idea that he could be there um, is really exciting and allows you to tell a lot of really diverse stories. I, I am excited for it going both ways. I also think, you know, you look at what would it be like if Darby Allen was in the Super Junior, junior Tournament, or what if... Um, you know, we got to see Mox in the G1 last year. What if what if Kenny was back in the G1? And what if those, like, bottom three or four G1 slots that go to, like, the, the Tokyo Pimps or go to, um, you know, you know Taguchi, what if, what if those were going to uh, Hangman Page? What if that was going to Mox? Like, it really allows you to build out deeper rosters on both ends, and you don't have to have this, like, everybody in one company is with everybody in the other company. It can just be yeah. two or three feeder talents on both sides, and I think it would go a long way. And there's, there's so many stories to tell us so to start with i'm really excited in in the idea of bringing over some of those japanese talents especially the guys like kenta like jay white um who have the ability to promo in america who have the ability to be semi-recognizable faces there's a lot of opportunity there so it, it all makes me really excited it's easy for me to get way ahead of myself and like book kenny versus uh coda for for every title uh it's, it's so easy for me to get there but <laughs> yeah. trying to like ease off the gas i think in the meantime i think i think um kent is just the perfect guy to kick that door in well we don't ease up here on the walder sportscast we don't take our foot off the gas so i have to ask you now is there a fantasy matchup aew new japan that you're looking forward to or that you would book yourself i i'm so glad you i'm so glad you're allowing me to go as far as i possibly can um <laughs> Listen, I'm I am one of those card carrying uh, Okada should never lose guys. I I, I am uh, I've been around. You know, it, I think it's funny. What you saw, I sort of track your or my uh, New Japan fandom by like you come in, 
and you're like, okay, Okada seems like a pretty cool guy. Seems like he's pretty good. And then you sort of get that North American fan of like, I'm tired of seeing this guy win all the time. And then I'm yeah. I'm now back in the cycle again to like, nobody should ever beat Okada. <laughs> it should happen <laughs> once every two years and it should be the biggest deal in the world. Um, I think I sort of, in my head, my fantasy booking is Okada is bored in Japan and he says, every record I'm chasing is just my own record. I already have the most... Uh, days as champion, I already have the longest title reign, I already have the most defenses. What else? Like, I'm only chasing the ghost of myself. What can I accomplish next? And he says, Yeah, what I can accomplish next is to go to North America and prove to Kenny because they're because they're still they still have that series, right? That to me, that's like the pinnacle. Kenny and Kenny and Okada at Dominion two or three falls is about as good as it can possibly get to me. And he says, I, I need to conquer a new world. And it just so happens that Kenny Omega, his old rival, is on top at AEW. And, and I think that is, that's about as much as I can possibly enjoy a match. And that is, that's even putting Kenny versus Kota on the table as, as something that has been built for years and years. I just think if I, could, if I get any, even one, if I get half, if I get any other times in my life where Kenny and Okada are in the same ring at the same time, I am a happy, happy guy. So that is, that's the move, that's the move I want. I, I want, I want Okada uh, capturing new worlds. I also think Jay White has a great story to tell on that sort of that same level. I have really come around on Jay White in the last little bit. He can be somebody who, you know, he finally got his Wrestle Kingdom shot this year and came up a little bit short. And his story yeah. would be, I'm not getting appreciated here in Japan. I'm capable of so much more. I can speak better than you guys. I can work better than you guys. I'm smarter than you guys. Oh, by the way, I'm also in Bullet Club. Boom, he's in North America. This is this North American Bullet Club is soft. You guys aren't even champions. Next thing you know, you have Jay White against Kenny Omega. Finally, a Bullet Club leadership storyline. Finally. <laughs> were you at all surprised to see Jay White stick around with New Japan? Because obviously there were rumors circulating that WWE had interest in him. His contract status was up in the air. You know, several months ago, there was reports that he had possibly signed a six or seven year deal to stay in New Japan. Are you pleasantly surprised to see him sticking around yeah I, I am pleasantly surprised i think it's so funny what a difference a few years makes you know I, I think a few years ago the idea of jay white coming to wwe everyone would be like yes jay yeah. white to wwe i can't wait and now it's like thank god he didn't come over to wwe to, to be to be some like guy on nxt or to come up in wwe and lose to Dolph ziggler like it's such a funny that that shift in the last little bit i think of somebody like Miro or somebody like the the top guys FTR a few years ago yeah. if they had been given their uh future endeavors or they had left the company you'd be like oh what a disaster and now everyone's like oh thank god these guys get a chance to go and show what they're capable of I think that's really neat and it's really the number one sign of the times is like people not getting signed to WWE now is almost like a positive like people people are really <laughs> happy when that happens which I think yeah. is, I think that's so cool I think that's like to me, that's the number one sign of what a neat era we're in and, and how unprecedented that is because that hasn't been the case in 23, 24 years. Like, that's that's most of my life that it's sort of been a one-horse town and, and now there's that new level. So, yeah, I'm thrilled that Jay White is still there. I think he has a lot of story to tell. I think in the last year and a half especially, um, he's really come into his own. He's somebody that, you know, when he came back from excursion and was immediately put into a storyline with Okada. You could tell like they are grooming this guy to be his next guy. And I don't know that at the beginning, like he had the zippers and he had like the cane um, mm -hmm. party surplus store outfit. And like, he's really refined that down in the last couple of years. And I think, I think to me, he's, he's somebody that I really appreciate a complete character, like somebody who is the same guy backstage. He's the same guy in the ring. He's the same guy in the mic, the way he moves, the way he acts, the things he chooses to do. I think he's one of the most complete, 
elite uh, characters in the game right now. So I'm really happy to see him continue sort of his Japan storyline because I think I think there's still room for growth there. And, and I'm I think really like I don't want to use the word limitless, but I think he's a guy that you could have as a top heel in a company pretty much anywhere. It's hard to imagine anyone ever directly competing with WWE because of course they have the networks, they have the payroll, they have the talent pool, but in a post-COVID world, Andrew, will we be seeing more and more companies sharing talent for the foreseeable future? Because you look at a company like Impact and the traction they garnered by bringing aboard Omega for appearances and matches and and even a team like Private Party to a lesser extent. And who knows if we're going to be seeing anything similar with like a Ring of Honor, for example. And it seems we're going to be seeing that with New Japan Pro Wrestling, of course. It almost feels like the territories from back in the day when all of the big stars were competing pretty much everywhere. Yeah, that's the exact the exact comparison I was going to make is is obviously we weren't around for the territories days, but this is this is sort of what we are told it was like, and I think it makes it it makes it really exciting because because like when's the last time you would have talked about impact ever and you're like really 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 ever like exactly never it's it's crazy that that impact is still around and still has that sort of ability to to be making headlines. I'm really excited about it. I know the initial Kenny going to impact uh, I wasn't thrilled about, and it, it suddenly doesn't like make me want to watch impact but just sort of that idea that like anybody can go anywhere it's it's sort of in this mall in the way with the internet it makes things instant and the way that you know it's really it's really more about moments is wrestling has always been about the big moments than, than it has been the actual like total story of the matches right that's why Andre against Hogan was held up for so long. It's because it was like mm-hmm. the big scoop slam is something you remember, or or the mega powers blowing up like that. You remember that more than the match they would have had that resulted from it. So those those shock moments, it's what makes the Royal Rumble so exciting, right? Is you get that moment of the countdown and the surprise. So I think it's I think it's perfect made for the, for the era we're in, and I think it's something where it finally gives the wrestlers a little bit of power. Like you're you're finally able to like I, I sort of hearken it to. Not directly, but it sort of does remind me of the NBA player empowerment where like guys can choose to go where they want to go and, and do what they want to do. And you're able to see, you know, really what what some guys are capable of by, by seeing a bunch of different audiences. I think I think it's a great thing uh, for for the business. And, you know, the idea of New Japan having relationships with the, with these companies as well. Like I'm really excited about their Young Lion program, how they have Young Lions go yeah. and and go on excursion, like the idea of Shota Iminu or or any of those guys, Ren Narita coming over and, and being part of AEW storylines or being part of small tournaments and vice versa. I think that is where the real development is coming in because we saw after the Royal Rumble, right, everyone was talking about how None of the competitors were under 30. There was It was Otis and Rey Mysterio's son were the only two guys in the Rumble that were under <laughs> 30. And, like, where are the new stars coming from? And it's like, if they're going to be coming from these outside companies, and then those guys don't have to go to WWE to become stars, like, that's really cool and really allows you the chance to, like, who knows what the next generation is going to look like. And, and to me, that's really exciting. Are you salivating over a potential reunion between Umino and John Moxley? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the Death Riders, Shooter. I, I, I think that's, like... I think that it really goes to show how amazing John Moxley really is at this. And I think the number one requirement for this is you really have to love wrestling. Because, like, who's anybody, who, who is anybody that's gotten over any young lion that you can name? Like, there really isn't 
many. Yeah. Uh, Hanare maybe with with like the, there really isn't many and and mocks to reach down and to go okay, I'm not going to be in chaos, I'm not going to be in bullet club, I'm not going to go over to Japan and be in any stable, but I will pick one of the young lions that that is supposed to be one of their future stars and just like drag him around and put, put him in tag matches during the G1 and like I'll learn this out on the fly and I'll pick somebody that doesn't know what they're doing either so we can sort of go through it together. I think that's really cool. I think that sort of goes to show that like He's a guy that that loves professional wrestling, and 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 it, it just I'm such a huge fan of the way that he's carried himself in the last little bit. I think um, it, it's like what a can't miss star. It's hard to believe that anybody can have that guy on their roster and and ha- have him be anything but like S tier A plus number one. Let this be our horse guy. So um, I can't. I'm salivating at the idea of that being the guy who comes over. It's it. You can you can book all the dream Ishii, or you can book. You know, I know I already mentioned Okada and and, and Koda Shooter coming over and tagging with Mox is like as good as it gets. wrestling fans in general andrew they, they put too much of an emphasis on ratings and i say this as someone who's guilty of looking for brian alvarez's tweets every <laughs> thursday looking to see the ratings discrepancy between nxt and aew because in all likelihood if you were to pull members of both of the rosters they'd probably say that the audience cares about it more so than they do especially since a good chunk of them are actually friends and you know, friendly competition doesn't hurt. I'm not saying that AEW and NXT is the next Monday Night Nitro versus Raw or anything, but should we just be happy that essentially 1.5 million wrestling fans are tuning in every Wednesday night? Absolutely, that should be. The, I'm, I've never been a big big ratings guy. I think the only time you, uh, the only time I really get, I really care about what the ratings are is if it, it seems like one of the countries is going to, or one of the companies is going to be out of business. Like as long as they're out of in business and putting on shows. I'm happy. I, I've never been huge on the ratings. I, I know that there are people who are. It, it isn't something that I really pay much mind to. But, um, yeah. you know, when AEW first sort of hit on the scene, NXT really did pull out all the stops to, like, it was like they had a takeover every Wednesday for, like, two months. It was, it was ridiculous. And I think that I think in the long term that cost them, right? Because guys like you and me, I'm sure the reason that we tuned into NXT in the first place a couple years back was like it was the storytelling show it was the show with logic it was the show that made sense that was the show that like if this happens then this happens because of this then like that is all we want that's all like anytime something goes well in wrestling it's because that happened they showed the work that's that's really all it takes like people think that we have these high expectations but the things that really work with most fans is because there was a if then because that that is literally all it really takes to tell a good story and NXT was that and they sort of got into like just like we need to book the biggest matches we can to pull that rating away and I think now we've seen that cost them because because there are people that are less interested in the NXT they, than they were before because they're it sort of got into like every match is a triple threat everything is a ladder match and and, and it sort of wears on you where now you know AEW is taking that slot too there's a little more sense that is made and and they have these big events they had beach break they had new year's bash they sort of know how to make these little mini shows that are filled with with a variety of cool things so yeah I, I, to, to answer the question like ratings have never been a huge thing for me but um i think we're sort of trained to want to compare one to the other whether we whether we 
care about it or not. So what does a show like NXT have to do to kind of keep pace with AEW? Because there was a time that NXT was the hottest brand in professional wrestling, and we've kind of see it when AEW books their big shows. NXT will try to combat it with a, a big main event in their own right, and we've seen them sometimes win that ratings war, especially when, they're, when they had their nostalgic Halloween Havoc event. Is this something that needs to occur over time, or is it something as simple as changing nights? What does NXT have to do to get back on top? I would honestly recommend... They have to go back to sort of giving us something we haven't already seen in that, like, because the idea, and since it's been on USA Network, the idea of there even being call-ups, like, doesn't really exist the way it used to. I, I think in a pre-AW world, we probably see Undisputed Era already up. You probably see Gargano already up. And instead, yeah. those guys have sort of hung around. And, you know, what was so fun about NXT at that time, it wasn't... It, it obviously was the indie signings, but the other part of it was like there was guys like Tyler Breeze. There were guys that like it was development. They were developing stars and there were guys that you could follow the path and you could say, OK, you know, he's nobody now. But now all of a sudden Tyler Breeze is fighting Jushin Thunder Liger. And you're like, that's yeah. the coolest thing in the world. You look at FTR, right? That When they were they were basically nobodies. They came out of that as nobodies. And then they'd be like, oh, man, this is the best tag team in the world. Like, I think that they're missing that. Whereas like they're trying to give us Damian Priest or they try to give us. Uh, Adam Cole, and they and they give us uh, God another Johnny Gargano like forty minute kickout fest like yeah they're sort of they sort of got this now is like this is exactly what you're going to get versus it really seeming like they have um, new exciting things bubbling under so I would recommend sort of going back to that it being a little bit more developmental getting some surprises getting something you didn't expect and, and some original homegrowns because that is where a ton of success sort of bred. I think um, another example of that is, is Velveteen Dream, who now is like, I don't, he's he's been exposed as like a bad guy and there's problematic, yeah. but he felt so fresh and such a cool thing because he was so different. It's like they haven't really done that in a long time. And, and the, you wish that there was somebody they could they could have on that roster to, to bust up. But I know it's also tougher because they signed everybody on the entire <laughs> era of the indies. And, and now it's harder to pick a talent because they're, they're in one of the other companies. So they're in an interesting spot of where they're going to find their talent and develop their talent. But uh, that's, that's what I would recommend at least. Unlike NXT, I try to be new and exciting here on the Walder Sportscast, and I have this new, hopefully recurring segment on the show, simply titled Likely or Unlikely. So it's pretty straightforward, mm. Zoobs. I'm going to throw some professional wrestling scenarios at you, and you give me a quick spiel about each and say if it's likely or unlikely. Sound good to you? I love it. I love it. Likely or unlikely, Kenny Omega will remain AEW world champion through the entire calendar year. I think I think I'm starting to lean likely on this. I think they need I think it's going to have to be a huge thing. In for my money, it's got to be Hangman Page. Nobody other than Hangman Page makes sense to me to take that off of him. He's the he's like I have Hangman so much higher than anybody else in the world right now in my like only guy that maybe is close to Hangman for me is is Mox with his sort of like right. ability to tell stories, but um I think Hangman is the money pay any money play there and they're they're slow playing his sort of um ruminations and his internal struggles. So um I will go I'll go with, with a likely. I think I think they're going to build that out and I think he's their key to the biggest money they can get in Japan. He's the key to, you know, there's a reason he's the guy that went to Impact. There's a reason that he's the guy that was the AAA champion. There's a, like, he's, he's the guy that 
when AEW was launched, it was because they could have Kenny at the top, and he had just had all that buzz as the new best wrestler in the world, and he's the guy that everyone is supposed to be testing their medal against. So um, I think they're going to play that off long term, and I think you know, the belt collector angle makes sense, especially if you're going to slowly open the door to New Japan. And, and we don't know how long that's going to take, but you want him to be the guy that is that crossing that bridge with that belt. So I will go with likely. Do you think it's inevitable that Kenny Omega holds the Impact World Championship as well, possibly simultaneously with the AEW title? Big, big time likely there. Big time likely. Yeah, I think that. I think I think Impact would be thrilled if Kenny challenged for their title and won it. Absolutely. Likely or unlikely, the Cody Rhodes Red Velvet versus Jade Cargill and Shaquille <laughs> O'Neal mixed tag team match next month on Dynamite will over deliver. Ooh, yeah. I'm gonna go. I'll, you know what? I'll go likely. I'm a bit of a Cody apologist. My my co-host Josh <laughs> is a is a. You know, you have to give Cody credit because none of this, probably none of this happens without him. He's he's the guy that I think sort of talked that group into like swinging um, out of their out of their issues a little bit. Cody likes to overbook things by about ten percent every time. Uh, he's the one who gets the only entrance in the middle and gets all the pyro and all the cool stuff. But you know, Shaq is uh, there's only one Shaq in the whole world. Like he's such a he's such a physical force of nature and it's such a such an interesting combination of like self-deprecating and a large personality and and serious and annoying. Like Shaq is able to do like I know NBA side is obviously very tired of Shaq and and very reasonably so, uh, but he's able to like put on so many different faces and is such a physical marvel. And it's all it's all in the name of getting Red Velvet over. I think Cody is good at sort of over delivering when expectations are low and probably guilty of under delivering when expectations are high. So going in with low expectations, I think. There'll be entertainment, at least, to be had here. Likely or unlikely, the upcoming AEW Women's Eliminator Tournament will prove to be the shot in the arm that the floundering division needs. I'm going to give this a likely. I think this is something we talk about a lot on on our Dynamite post-game show. Is like they generally are only giving the women like one match a week, maybe two on like an amazing week, and. You know, the tag team division is solid. The, the heavyweight title picture is pretty solid with, with Kenny and, and with what you had Mox before. The TNT title is in good hands with, with the Darby storyline and bringing in Sting. The women's division has just not gotten off the ground. There was the, the stunted, the Brandy and, and Kong thing wasn't very good. Britt Baker seems to be a bit of a roller coaster where one week you're like, that's the next star. And the next week you're like, oh, what a clunker. Um, I'm a big fan of Thunder Rosa. I think she has a ton of potential. But they just haven't given the women the time. They've, they've been stuck on dark, or they get one match, and if it doesn't go well, people really turn on it. Um, I think what they need to do is, is really give it some sustained time and really let them let us learn about these these wrestlers. Let us learn about the stories. Let us learn who these different people are. And, and the best way to do that is to give them time on television and let them figure it out. I think, uh, I think we might end up coming out of that tournament with at least one person that we're like, okay, that is a star, and that is what they need. Uh, my... my Co-host Josh has argued that, like, with, with with the WWE people that are coming over and, and signing now and then, the next really big impact they could make as a company, AEW, would be to sign one of the horsewomen from, from WWE. It probably yeah. won't happen, but, like, that is what they need to do next. They, they, signing another um, Miro, signing another, you know, you name it, uh, Sean Spears, like, that's not going to do it. They, they, they sort of hit their limit as to how excited we could get about those kinds of guys. Like, even Sting... Like, it was amazing to see Sting come out, and now we're a few weeks in, and, like, I really don't care uh, that Sting <laughs> is involved on the show. It just, I just don't. But if they had brought over – if they brought over – I'll use Sasha Banks as an example. Probably not going to happen, but if they if they yeah. had Sasha Banks, like, people would tune in. Like, that's a huge deal. And Britt Baker is somebody, I think, that has that potential, but right now we're sort of being told 
versus being shown. And I think it's it's a challenge. But if they are able to to have a breakout women's star, I think that'll be a huge shot in the arm. And, and, and the tournament's a great way to do it. If you were in Tony Khan's shoes, would you make a run for someone like a Tessa Blanchard, who certainly has that star quality about her, but certainly comes with a lot of baggage? Yeah, it's it's tough. I, I would be I would be casting as wide of them as possible. And I I, I I think this is part of what could make an impact partnership so so valuable uh, because anybody that you talk to that has even a little bit of love in their heart for Impact, who I mean, it's not me, but anybody that you know that does watch Impact, it's always like yes, but they've had the best women's division in wrestling for quite some time, and that's one yeah. thing they've been able to do. The Knockouts division is like their claim to fame for the last little bit is like the Knockouts division has been well booked and they've made stars and they've told good stories and uh, and I think that might be you know part of this impact impact uh, AEW partnerships so yeah I, I definitely think there's there's room to try basically anybody and uh, and I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if they did and you mentioned Sting previously likely or unlikely before his run ends in AEW Sting will hold championship gold once again oh <laughs> is this another Goldberg situation? <laughs> right? It's 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 one of those funny things is like every so often AEW reminds me a little too much of like bad WCW. Like they Sting is a great example of it is is like or even Miro who has come over and been quite bad. Um yeah. is is like they love to talk about building new stars and doing this great new stuff. And it's like, and now Sting's on the show. And it's just like, ugh, please no. Or like Zack Ryder is, is on the show and it has a huge spot. It's just like, please don't just bring whoever over. I will I will say, yeah, give me a likely. Maybe he holds the TNT title. Maybe sure. he holds that. The, the, the end of this is like, it's been a long con to screw Darby out of the title and Sting wins it. I, maybe that. Or or maybe tag team gold. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a likely with a big, heavy, deep sigh attached to it. Well, are you a fan of the way that AEW has been utilizing its legends? Because it seems like the polar opposite from what WWE does when they hold their legends nights on Monday Night Raw, where a majority of them are just standing in the background, not providing much substance. But on AEW, you see most of them attached to the younger stars attempting to elevate them. Yeah, I think maybe I think maybe it, it might be like 10% heavy right now, but they're obviously still finding their space. I think, you know, first coming out, I thought pairing Jake the Snake uh with with lance archer was great i thought that was like a perfect mouthpiece for him and, and he's not lost a step on the mic i like blanchard with with ftr you know there's some duality with sting that gets a little sloppy with me where like he he's this quiet mercurial like mute with the face pain and the, and the dark music and then he sees tony Schiavone and he lights up and it's like hey buddy how's it going like I, I really find that confusing and sort of muddies the character a little bit but in general i think it's a good way to sort of pay homage to the generation that came before and, and show respect without have it being like, it's Legends Night and we're going to have Mark Henry like walk in the background and interact with yeah. the Miz. Like I, I really think that it, it's more useful to have them be smart and have them be used in that way. You know, Arn Anderson with the, with the play sheet, um, your mileage may vary. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Um, yeah, I think it is a good use. Like if you're going to have those guys around as agents, if you're going to have them around as, as advisors, um, they don't have to be taking bumps. They don't have to be doing a, a lot, but but showcasing their minds and their expertise and explaining that as the reason they're on the show does does make quite a bit of sense. And lastly, Zoobs, likely or unlikely, the Fiend character will not survive 2021, so it will be axed at some point this year. Oh no, Fiend! Unlikely, Fiend. It's gonna be. <laughs> we're, 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 Fiend, Fiend will. You'll think the Fiend is long dead, and it'll it'll still be going on. The 
they're they're gonna commit to that for as like they're yeah oh yeah absolutely that that spirit will continue to haunt <laughs> for quite some time. Were you a fan of him getting set on fire at the TLC pay per view? <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think I think I try my best to like I have I don't have rules in, as much, but like I try my best to have like. I don't get mad about it. Like, that's a rule that I have. It's like, just, like, if something happens I don't like, it's fine. Like, I, I, I try not to get mad about it. And, there, you know, you have to allow for a certain degree of silly. You have to allow for a certain degree of comedy. You have to allow for a certain thing that you may not like. Because part of the appeal, of course, is that it's a variety show. That there's a ton of different things to going on. And, and not everything yeah. will be specifically for you. And there's always been supernatural stuff. That's always been part of it. It's, it's like, to tie it back to what you talked about before, it's like, you can... You can be like, man, why do they have Shaq involved? That's so dumb. It's like they've had celebrities involved in wrestling for decades. It, there's always going to be a part of the show that's like, here's some celebrity that that cares about wrestling, so we're bringing him in. Or somebody, John Stewart, right? You know what I mean? Like there's no limit to like if a wrestler, if, if a celebrity's kids like wrestling, they will get involved for their kids' sake. Like it's always going to be part of it, so I try not to get too mad about it. The Fiend stuff with the fireballs and the getting lit on fire and the spirit going into Alexa is like literally the only stuff I've seen uh, <laughs> Uh, from the WWE product in the last little bit uh, that wasn't the Rumble because, like, it's always in the timeline after it happens and people are laughing. And it's like, you know what? Sometimes it's silly uh, and any Randy Orton feud will ultimately end in a in a slow-paced plotting match. So uh, enjoy the build while it's there. At, le- at least it's something sort of different. It, it, I do like when they when they get a little creative and, and whether it's great or not, uh, I kudos to the effort. I'm, v- I'm very easy to please. I'm not, I'm not an angry wrestling fan. I try to be, like, I'm very easy that way. Well, I see Alexa Bliss sitting in the corner of the room here. She's oozing black goo out of her mouth like the (laughs) ultimate warrior, which means we are drawing to a close here, my friend. But before we sign off, I do have some fun rapid fire questions to send you on your way. Okay. I I I know I have a bad habit of like, I'll get asked a question and I'll answer four questions in my answer. So I will try to be rapid. On a podcast that's primarily about basketball, whenever I sprinkle in wrestling talk, I like to ask experts for four matches that you would recommend to someone looking to dip their toe into professional wrestling to set them off right. So I ask you, Zoobs, for four matches that you would encourage newbies to give a watch. Okay, we got Shibata versus Ishii from the G1 in, I believe, let's see, 2013. It's um, it's about as ridiculous a 12-minute match as you can have. It's like watching a car accident over and over again for 12 minutes. Just two big guys that love to slap the crap out of each other. And I'm a big believer of when you're bringing people in uh, for new things, quick and like exciting is the way to be. Like it would be easy to pick, um, you know, Omega versus Okada or something, but that's yeah. you're asking someone to, to give them an hour and a half of their time. A sleeper pick for you. you. I think you might like this one. Goldberg versus Raven on Nitro. It's a U.S. Ooh, title match. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's the, to me, it's the best sub five minute match in history. It, it, it's like. <laughs> It has everything you could possibly want. Raven tries to leave through the crowd, and the crowd throws him back in. This is um, absolute peak of what wrestling crowds can be. Like I like he, that. He spears and jackhammers everybody in the flock, and when, by the time he gets to his hands on Raven, like you're like this building is going to crumble. Like it's it's crazy yeah. how into that match. Uh, those two people are. I will give you um, Kenny Omega versus Tetsuya Naito, the G1 final from a couple of years ago. It just like really, I think the pinnacle of Kenny's sort of 
climb and also the I think the best Naito's ever looked. You sort of have to see Naito if you're going to be involved in in learning about wrestling and um, sure really like I think star making for both of those guys and cemented that we were about to enter into an era um, where Naito is rightfully back on top. And then my fourth. Hmm. Another Goldberg match you want to throw my way? <laughs> I know, right? I know, I know. That's the whole thing is like, man, Goldberg. Oh, you know what? Bret Hart versus Owen Hart, WrestleMania 10. Uh, just a beauty. Just like, really like everything that wrestling stories should have. It, it makes sense in the short term and the long term. The more you know about it, the more you'll appreciate it. But uh, brother versus brother, the big brother versus little brother, um, sort of a, a tale as old as time, and, and those two guys tell a great story. So those are my four picks. I ask everyone this on the podcast, Andrew, especially during these crazy times when all anyone is seemingly doing is watching TV. So I'm mm-hmm. curious what you found yourself binge-watching as of late or what the last great show is that you've watched. Um, we, we watched all of Lost, which I had not seen all of. I watched the first, I watched the first three seasons, and we were like, okay, I'm going to make an effort to watch all the way through Lost and okay. the amount of times we went back and forth between we're really enjoying this to like I wish we were not watching this was like amazing <laughs> but I'm glad we went all the way through it we've been we've been to watch so much um, Mrs. Maisel is what we're watching right now we're, we're two thirds of the way through Mrs. Maisel so that's been pretty good but I think the the standout winner of the quarantine was Lost for sure who was your favorite character from Lost it's got to be John Locke what a what a there you go what is it? What a holy cow! He's a little bit of everything. My <laughs> wife is shaking her head. My wife's uh, jacked all the way. And Sawyer, of course. <laughs> Sawyer, of course. Yeah, everyone loves Sawyer. That guy goes swimming in jeans more than any character in television history. <laughs> and makes it look good. I mean, I don't have that luxury just diving into a pool with my jeans on. But that's neither it's here the, nor the long there. Hair. It's the long hair. Man, I'm, I'm doing my best actually during quarantine to grow up my hair. I don't think it'll hit Sawyer levels, but who knows at this point? The longer I'm in lockdown, we might we might reach that point. But uh, Andrew, this is a difficult question, but I ask the hard hitting questions here on the podcast. Which do you prefer more, macaroni and cheese or Minoru Suzuki? Wow, yeah, that's tough. Because I I've, I've definitely loved mac and cheese longer, obviously. <laughs> but I um, it feels it feels dangerous to ever not compliment Suzuki out loud, right? You know, he'll find you. He'll, he'll come to your house and find you. You're at you. risk now, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with, with Misu. He's been, doing, he's been doing it, not in my life longer, but if, if macaroni and cheese is still that good uh, when I'm Suzuki's age, then, then so be it. He is like the best old guy wrestler ever. Like, there's no, who's, ever, who's ever been as good as he is at his age? Like, there's a lot of complaints about other companies. So the guy's 52 years old and is as terrifying now as he ever was because his style was never to jump off the top and land on his butt. Yeah. It's just like, like I'm, just, I'm about to slap you as hard as I can and hit you with stuff. It's, I love me, Sue. I'm trying to think of someone else in that ballpark of age that even comes close to Minoru Suzuki. The only person I could think of is maybe a Chris Jericho. Sure. Like, think of it. Like, he's basically the Undertaker's age, right? Like, that's, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, Jericho's not a bad pick. Jericho's 50, so... Wow, Chris Jericho's 50. Good lord. Who would you say has the most underappreciated wrestling entrance of all time, factoring in both the theme and the entrance itself? Underappreciated? Because you, you, a... you think of legendary entrances, you automatically go to someone like The Undertaker, for example. But who out there, you know, maybe not at The Undertaker's level, but someone who has a really great entrance that doesn't get enough love? This is going to seem maybe silly, but... When I was in high school, uh, you couldn't tell me that anybody did a better entrance than the New Age Outlaws. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the whole know. the whole pre-match uh, spiel from Road Dog Jesse James? 
That was your oh, favorite, was eh? Ever, was I ever, like, embarrassing now because, like, it is what it is, but, like, man, oh, you didn't know? Like, that is as much as I could enjoy things. And and the, 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 the call and answer in the ring and the, like, Billy Gunn two words for you. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I, I have to admit. I have to admit begrudgingly uh, that, that that was about as good as it got for me. For my money, I always think Kurt Angle had one of the best entrances. Just the intensity, the way he would sure. point up to the sky and the fireworks going off behind him. I have I have a tendency to go to YouTube and, and look at wrestling entrances quite a bit. And my Spotify playlist, if I ever put my most listened to tracks online, it would just be wrestling themes. I, I, I feel somewhat <laughs> embarrassed about that, but I'm also kind of proud. <laughs> that's, that's pride in my book, my friend. Andrew, what advice would you give to a couple looking to tie the knot during a global pandemic? Because my fiance and I have tentative mm. plans depending on how the numbers look and if everyone can get vaccinated. And I know you and your wife, Melissa, got hitched last year during yes. the peak of the pandemic. So do you have any advice for me? I think my advice for you is that this is going to whittle away what like what you really do and don't care about in terms of your wedding. I sure. think that was like our big, that was our big real realization is like we had this amazing plan we had all these things we wanted to do, and like as soon as your a bunch of that's taken away, it like it will really grind down to like what do we actually care about with this wedding? So we ended up getting married. Uh, it was myself, my wife, our best man, a photographer, and the um, efficient. There was five five people there. We were all very distanced. Okay. Um, we did it in secret, and then you know we are still haven't had we still have a, a reservation on our on our location. We still have. Like we, we were May 16th, which is our five year dating anniversary. Um, we kept that date and went and did it in secret, but like we pushed that back to August initially and then they canceled August and now we have a May 2021 date. Uh, I expect uh, we are going to be canceling that as well. Um, so my advice is to just like really think about what you really, really want because we are basically at the point now where like if they push back the date we have now, we're just gonna yeah. have a party one day and, and so be it. Yeah, so, so my advice is like, Really pare down what you do and don't care about. Who knows, man? Who knows when when all this stuff will happen? It's sort of this has been the latest back and forth. Is is you know if people have to come and they have to be in masks and we can't dance and it has to be 50 people, which means basically yeah. just our family and not our friends. Do we even want that at all? Are we going to pay five figures for that? It seems silly. Um, so really, really figure out like what really does and doesn't matter to you, and that that's my big advice. On a scale of one to ten, Andrew, how awkward was it when you initially interviewed JP Aaron Sibia in 2019, knowing that he had blocked you on Twitter? <laughs> that's probably one of my favorite things I've ever done. He was really, you know what? He was really cool about it. He was really cool about it. We, we were. Our relationship over the course of that weekend and the rest of that baseball season really grew because uh, that was the only thing he knew about me beforehand. <laughs> so he really kept me at arm's distance. But um, you know, I grew up a lot since then. I would I would never at a player now, full stop. And he deserved to block me if I was him. I would have blocked me a long time ago too. Um, he was really cool about it, and we shot we shot a video actually where I showed him the tweets that got me blocked, and he he was able to like laugh it off because he's. A pro athlete and a multimillionaire. <laughs> like, if I was rich and famous, I wouldn't bother having Twitter. What in the world would you have Twitter for? Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was pretty it was pretty you know stomach in the throat off the top there. But uh, he was able to like calm my nervousness pretty quickly, which I really appreciated. Zoobs, I'm admittedly not much of a Blue Jays or a Maple Leafs guy, but I know both teams have made some major moves, and the Leafs are playing extremely well right now. So. Tell me, who wins their respective championship first, the Jays or the Maple Leafs? Man, that's, that's tough. I'm, I'm, I'm going to lean Blue Jays because um, they have the advantage of, like, 
24 of the 30 baseball teams have no interest in winning the World Series. So, like, it really, really pairs it down. Like, well, that helps. It's, it's going to be the Jays, the Dodgers, the Mets, the Padres, the Yankees, and that's probably it. Like, there's really, there's really not many other teams that are even trying to win the World Series, which rules and or yeah. sucks depending on how much you like the sport. <laughs> but other, the other thing is that like hockey playoffs don't really make sense, right? Like, it's like once you get into the playoffs. It, like anything can really happen. We, that, it, there's a reason that like it's the one that the lowest seeds go on, or the one that like winning the President's Trophy really doesn't matter once the playoffs start because the difference between the one seed and the eight seed is generally not that great because there's so much luck and there's so few goals. Um, so like the Maple Leafs have a chance in that it's random, but I think the Blue Jays, it's like a one in six versus like the Maple Leafs. It's like a, basically anybody in the playoffs can beat anybody. So I'll, I'll give it. I'll give it to my Jays because they're at least trying. Zoobs are fudge and white covered fudge Oreos the absolute best Oreos or can you think of any better? I can't think of any better. I, I cannot think of anything better. The, the white the white uh, fudge covered mint ones or no the black the, the brown fudge covered mint ones are like pinnacle Oreo to me. They're so so good. Oh my god they're so good and there, there's a reason they only come with like I think they come with like nine in the, in the package nine or twelve. It's really small packaging because they're so big but like it's because you can't eat too many because like it's not great for your blood but oh my god they're so good i may be out on an island here but i think the birthday cake oreos are pretty damn good nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that underrated i say that that and the golden oreos as well i you you can always go with the classics but you know what Uh, there's so many flavors of everything coming out you got to mix it up every once in a while yes we have the classics in our cupboard right now we had a sleep last night well i'm extremely jealous (laughs) let me tell you uh and lastly andrew it's of course super bowl sunday when we're recording this the show will be released least after the big game so if anything we can look back at this show and laugh off how wrong we were so <laughs> give it to me straight who is winning the super bowl who's the mvp and what is the final score i'm i've got i've got in all across my many uh my many bets uh i'm i'm heavy on chiefs i think i think uh i think they're just a better team i think and i could be wrong i, I have chiefs uh, like fairly handily i think i think chiefs uh, 35-21. There you go. Two touchdown score. I like that score. And and who knows if our predictions will ultimately be right, but what is right, my friend, was having you on my podcast today. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on. I've wanted to chat with you for quite some time now, and I really do appreciate your enthusiasm in coming on. Before we sign off, though, let the listeners know where they can find you and your work on the web. Yeah, absolutely. I'm on Twitter, uh, the underscore Zoobs. I'm just out there, I don't know, running my mouth and, and being silly. I try to be, uh, I try to be friendly and nice. Uh, I'm, I'm trying not to be mean or angry pretty much any time. But um, Sportsfeld is a podcast we've been doing for seven years now. My friend Jake Goldsby and I, you may know him from the show Degrassi. You may know him, another score alum. Uh, it's all score alums everywhere you look. Um, we do like really any sport, whatever's, whatever's happening. Obviously, Toronto Focus, we do a mailbag, we do a segment called Sad or Not Sad, whether we are sad uh, for each week. That's something we've been doing for quite some time. And as well, the new thing, Wrestling Brain, uh, it's a Twitch channel, t- Twitch TV, slash Wrestling Brain, Wrestling underscore Brain on Twitter. We have a show Wednesday, 10 o'clock, right up out of AEW Dynamite. We take calls live on the air. And then Thursdays is the rankdown. It's ranking uh, anything in wrestling. We did NWO, we did AW roster, we did title belts, we did... Um, 
all kinds of stuff. Uh, best Canadian wrestlers ranked from S to the garbage bin, S, A, B, C, and garbage bin, as well as my friend Josh does a show on Sunday nights or Sunday afternoons, uh, Wrestling Brain Live, a little more uh, information heavy and really news heavy, just like a, a good newsy uh, in, in podcast that he does live on Sunday nights. That is twitch.tv slash wrestling brain, wrestling underscore brain on Twitter. Uh, come by, have a good time. Be one of the Brainiacs. It's lots of fun. Zoobs, you're the best, man. Thank you so much for doing this and all the best with Wrestling Brain. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It was really a lot of fun. And that was my interview with Andrew Zuber. Go give him a follow on Twitter at the underscore Zoobs. That's Z-U-B-E-S. I'm hoping to have him on again around WrestleMania season to go over the card when that becomes available. Maybe we'll have our friend Blake Murphy on as well for a triple threat match, if you will. That was a lot of fun. I, I know this is prominently a basketball podcast, and I've said this in the past, but when I do talk wrestling, I like doing so with people who really know their stuff, and Andrew certainly does. This has been episode 30 of the Walder Sportscast. Leave a rating and review if you like what you heard today. Find the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Podbean, or anywhere you download your shows. I'm moved in. I'm settled, so expect more interviews and content in the near future. And Vince Carter, if you're listening out there, come on the podcast, man. Let's make this happen. That's another one in the books. So as always, I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Walder Sportscast. Hit that subscribe button on iTunes and follow Chris on both Twitter and Instagram at Walder Sports. <laughs>